are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. You know, I, I just got to say something before I move on, and that is that I'm so proud of uh, Bailey and Madison. I just wonder what God is going to do through them. One day, I'm sitting there thinking they may work on staff at this church, and then I had this better thought, what if one of them one day becomes the lead pastor of this church? Wouldn't that be awesome? You never know what God is going to do through somebody who says, Okay, God, I'll follow you no matter what. I'll follow you no matter where. I'll follow you no matter when. And they just, as one writer says, feel that holy surge of adrenaline that courses through your veins when you make that kind of a commitment to God. So I'm anxious to see what God is going to do in them and through their lives. So we come to this series called Giants, and today we're dealing with the giant of... Fear. You want to know what I'm afraid of? I'm afraid that some of you have already said in your hearts, okay, I don't live my life gripped by fear, so I don't know that this sermon is really for me. That's what I'm afraid of, okay? The truth is that everybody, 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 there are no exceptions, whether you're in high school, whether you're in college, whether you're a young parent, an older parent, an older guy like me, everybody deals with fear to some degree. And I believe God wants to talk to every one of us today about that. So, let me tell you a story. One night, Annette and I are at home, and we go to bed, and we go to sleep. And, and it's about maybe one in the morning, somewhere around there, and all of a sudden, I am awakened by my wife screaming into the darkness, okay? So, you know what happens, uh, you jump up, uh, your heart is racing really fast, and your breathing becomes very shallow, and every bottle muscle rather in your body is just tightened you know and and i'm trying to assess what in the world has happened so let me define scream okay i don't mean she yelled out i'm talking about this high pitch long shrill blood curdling scream that can only come from the lungs of a female okay i mean it was like a you know just oh it scared me to death and so i'm trying to assess what's going on and finally, you know, realize that she's had a nightmare, bad dream, you know, which I was very relieved. And so the next few minutes are just this conversation. Okay, I'm okay. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm okay. Are you okay? Yeah, I think I'm okay. I'm so sorry. No, it's okay. I'm sorry for you. No, it's okay. I'm okay too. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm okay. You know, we're both trying to just slow the heart down and the breathing down, kind of relax the muscles. And, and then I'm like, you're sure you're okay? Yeah, I'm okay. Okay, I'm okay too. I think, I think I'm okay. So... So what we did not think of, though, in that moment, we just didn't remember that, and this never happens, but our youngest daughter, Morgan, just happened to have spent the night with us. And she's upstairs. Okay? So she, you know, has heard her mother scream, this blood-curdling scream, and so therefore is not going to come downstairs and confront whatever did whatever it was to her mother. Okay? And so she tries to call our cell phones. Annette's phone is on the floor on the carpet. She could not hear it vibrate. My phone is always right by my ear on the nightstand, except for that night, and I had forgotten it and left it on the dresser in the closet. So nobody's answering the phone. So Morgan has decided, okay, now that person has done something to my father and will probably eventually make his way upstairs and do something to me. Okay? 
And so she's just living in fear. She calls a friend. The friend says, Morgan, call the police. I'm on my way to your house. And so Morgan decides to make one last attempt before calling the police. She tries her mother's phone again, and Annette heard it. And as soon as she answered, we both go, oh, Morgan, we're so sorry. Annette runs upstairs to comfort her. It was, it was just terrifying, honestly. I mean, our neighbors, I'm surprised they didn't knock on our door and say, what happened in here, you know? So we experience this distressing, you know, emotion that said to us, there is impending danger. I think that's a really good uh, definition. Let, let me give this to you, okay? Fear would be a distressing emotion that we experience that is caused by the threat of danger or pain or harm. So that's, that's a good definition for fear. When you feel afraid... You're saying, I've got this kind of, you know, distressing emotion, and it's caused by the threat of danger or pain or harm. Now, I'm going to have to ask you to do something. And that is, heads up. Everybody looking at me, even if you're looking at the screen. Next words are invaluable, okay? Sometimes, fear. Is just flat out terror. Like my family experienced that night. Okay? Ready? One. Sometimes fear is flat out terror. However, most often, fear shows up in your life as anxiety or worry or stress, or dread, or tension. And it grips us when we become convinced that something undesirable may happen to us. Okay? It grips us when we become convinced that something undesirable might happen to us, and that's the basic essence of fear. And it's when somebody looks at you and says, what's wrong? And you say, I'm afraid that maybe. And you move into this neighborhood called what if? What if this happens? What if that happens? What if this happens? What if that happens? Or what if this happens? And, and you live in this place called fear. Okay? So, um, we're in the story of David and Goliath. And in the story of David and Goliath, there's a lot of fear. And so I want to take you back to the story. The Philistines are on this hill. Israelites are on this hill. Valley of Elah is in between them. And they are getting ready to go to battle. And here's what takes place in verse 8 of chapter 17. So Goliath stood and he shouted a taunt across to the Israelites. Why are you all coming out to fight, he called. I'm the Philistine champion, but you are only the servants of Saul. Choose one man to come down here and fight against me, Goliath says. If he kills me, then we will be your slaves. But if I kill him, you will be our slaves. I defy the armies of Israel today. Send me a man who will fight me. And so when Saul and the Israelites heard this, look at these words. They were terrified. So, in other words, they had this, 
this distressing emotion that says, you know, I feel like there's harm or threat or pain impending. They were terrified and they were deeply shaken. Now let me skip a few verses, okay, and go to another passage, verse 23. So we see David, he showed up and he was talking with uh, the soldiers. Goliath comes to do his thing. So Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, came out from the Philistine ranks. And then David heard him shout his usual taunt to the army of Israel. Now look at these words. And as soon as the Israelite army saw him, they began to run away in fright. Just a lot of fear. Some of you today would say, I'm facing a giant, and the giant that I'm facing is fear. I feel worry. I feel stress. I feel anxiety about something. Some of you say, I don't worry much. Some of you say, I worry a lot. Some of you say, I obsess. I worry too much. And this giant taunts you too. So just this past week, I woke up in the middle of the night like men my age tend to wake up in the middle of the night, okay? Then when I was going back to bed, if you're catching my drift, um, you know, I laid there and I, now I can't go back to sleep. And, and so as I'm laying there, not able to go back to sleep, I get something on my mind and I begin to worry a bit. I begin to stress. Now, if it bothers you that, you know, me being your pastor, and I know the Bible says we shouldn't worry and we shouldn't be afraid. If it bothers you that I'm tempted to worry some, then you're just going to have to be a little bit bothered because I'm like you. And I'm tempted to worry just like you are. And I'm tempted to fret just like you're tempted to fret. We're all the same in that regard. And I fight it like you do. And I pray through it like you do. But I deal with the same temptations in my life that you deal with in your life. And you know what I did? I just took three little steps. And these things I've been doing for years. I just said, God, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to name the fear. I'm just going to say it. I'm going to put it in a sentence. And I just said, God, I'm afraid that. And I filled in the blank. When you do that. Your fear begins to go from this big to this big. Before you name it, before you get it in a sentence, before you identify it, it just feels like it's out here. But when you finally identify it, it just kind of comes down and you say, okay, so that's really at the heart of this. This is why I'm worried. This is why I'm stressing. This is why I feel anxiety. And then I ask another question of the Lord. I say, okay, Lord, would you do me this favor? Would you tell me, is there anything I could or should be doing about this? And then finally I say, you know what, God? You are bigger than my greatest fear. And I can't conquer it, but you can. And now I'm just going to give it to you. And I'm going to go to sleep. And so I don't want you to go to the end of the sermon without finding any hope. So here's the hope, okay? God is bigger than my greatest fear. I want you to say it with me. God is bigger than my greatest fear. Now this time I want you to roar. You ready? God is bigger than my greatest fear. You've got to take that home with you when you leave here today. I don't know if you ever heard the story about the little boy whose mother said to him, I left the broom on the back porch. Would you go outside and get it for me and bring it in? And he said, but Mom, I don't want to go out on the back porch. It's dark outside. I'm afraid of the dark. And she said, you're afraid of the dark? And he said, yeah. She said, oh, you shouldn't be afraid of the dark. There's nothing to be afraid of. Jesus is out there. Just go get the broom. He said, Jesus is out there. And she said, yes, Jesus is everywhere. 
Jesus is there. Just go get the broom. And so the little boy walks over to the door, afraid, opens the back door and says, Jesus, would you hand me the broom? (laughs) So when you talk to people about being afraid, that's kind of where the conversation starts. It's kind of up there. I'm afraid of the dark. Or I'm afraid of uh, heights. Or I'm afraid of storms. Or I'm afraid of spiders. Or I'm afraid of snakes. Or I'm afraid, afraid to get up and do public speaking. I'm afraid of those things. But if you dig a little, people finally will say, you know, I don't know that I'm afraid of dying, but I think I'm afraid that I might have to suffer before I die. Or people say, I'm just maybe afraid about the future in general. It's uncertain. I don't know what's out there. Or I'm afraid the economy could crash and the stock market would fail and I could lose everything I have. You know what a few people have confessed to me lately? I'm afraid that one day I might be somewhere where there is one of those mass shootings. And I've been having conversations with one person who is becoming to beginning to feel a little bit paralyzed with that fear. It's become a real struggle. Some of us are afraid of failing. Some are afraid of being rejected. Some are afraid that we won't ever find that right person to spend my life with. Some people are afraid of just one day having to be alone. And sometimes people will get really deep with you in a conversation and say, I'm afraid at the end I will have disappointed God. That I will not have been good enough. Or that my life would not have counted for anything and that I would have lived and died and been insignificant. What are you afraid of? Losing a job. Something's going to happen to somebody you love. Cancer's going to show up in our family. Something bad could happen. See, when you get into this story, you begin to see the consequences of fear. For 40 days, how long? Forty days, every morning, every evening. Now that's 80 times the Philistine champion strutted in front of the Israelite army. Do you know what that means? Do you know what the Israelite army did for 40 days? Nothing! Because fear can paralyze you. Fear can immobilize you. Fear can keep you from moving forward in your life. It can just freeze you where you are. And we begin to lose this sense that life really is going to be okay. Because the truth is, life really is going to be okay. It doesn't mean that nothing bad is going to happen to you. It doesn't mean you're not going to go through hard times. It simply means that God is going to be with you in all of the times of your life. So I read these words a few weeks ago. And when I read them, wow, man, I just pushed myself back away from my desk for a minute. And I remembered a season of my life. Here were the words. Fear dominates my days. But it owns my nights. 
And I remembered a few years ago a season in my life where that I would tell you that fear dominated my days. I mean, I was, I was struggling to focus on anything else. But I'll tell you, it owned my nights. And I remember when God set me free. When God brought me out of that place. And, and that's what I want for you. If you're struggling there. And that's what God wants for you. And so, He provides a way for that to take place. I have, uh, have two daughters. 24 and 30. That's not their names. That's their ages. We would have never done that to our kids. But Morgan and Brittany. And, and you want to know, you know, there's some people who say, I just never worry. And, and I think it's true. A lot of people are kind of wired that way. I'm one of those people who have to fight through stuff like that. Uh, you know what the trigger is for me? What will make me worry before anything else is if one of my kids are worried. See? Like, I can carry whatever, but I don't want my kids going through tough stuff. If my kids call and say, Daddy, I'm concerned, I'm worried, I feel anxious, I'm afraid, then, then that, that's a struggle for me. I don't want my kids to be like that. Now, take that idea and translate that to you and God. You're His child. Did you know that in the Bible, I'm not making this stuff up, it, uh, it says something to the effect of, don't worry, don't be afraid, 366 times. And you've got to understand God's motivation. It's not like He's this uh, big, bad God who looks at you and says, Don't worry! No, it's not like that at all. He loves you way more than I could love my girls. And He says, I don't want you living in fear. I don't want you being afraid. And so over and over again, God says, Don't you live in fear. Don't you be afraid. Don't you worry, okay? It's the motivation of love for you. So I read the story and I think, what is it with David and fear? I mean, David seems to be so, you know, brave and so courageous. You know, and, and there's days in my life when I don't feel brave and I don't feel courageous. You know what I feel? I feel scared. And, and how did David push through? And how did he face his fear? And so I've been pretty excited about this. You might remember two weeks ago if you were here... And if a pastor ever asks you, do you remember that sermon, you always just say, oh yeah, we remember all of your sermons. They're all really good. So two weeks ago, I gave you four points to defeating, four steps to defeating your giant. So let me apply them to fear, okay? Here we go. So four steps to conquering your fear. You ready? Number one, admit I cannot conquer my fear. Wait a minute. The title says four steps to conquering your fear. And the first step is you can't conquer your fear. No, you can't. I didn't say it couldn't be conquered though. God can. You might remember the story. David says to the giant, this is the Lord's battle. Right? The Lord will conquer you. And so as soon as you come to this place in your own life that you say, you know what? Fear is huge. Fear is massive. Fear is big. Fear is something that I will never conquer. I can't do this. You're better off. But remind yourself, God can. Number two, you focus on God, not your fear. You remember everybody else is talking about the giant? 
David is talking about God. Everybody else is just talking, talking, talking about the giant. Just talking, talking, talking about the giant. Not David. He talks about God. He doesn't focus on the giant. He focuses on God. And if all you're doing is focused on your fear and you're not focused on God, then no wonder fear seems huge to you. See, I'm not saying deny your fear. I'm not saying lie to yourself about your fear. I'm just saying put your fear into the hands of the person who actually can defeat it. And then number three, remember God's faithfulness. You remember David, he said, there was a lion that came at me and I defeated the lion. God delivered me from the mouth of the lion. There was a bear that came at me and I defeated the bear. God delivered me from the bear. Remember in your own life God's faithfulness. Now, I don't want to come across like I'm, I'm not pointing fingers, I'm not judging, I'm not saying I know more about you than you know about yourself. But I've got to tell you that if all you're doing is playing this narrative over and over in your mind that you're afraid and why you're afraid and that just, you know, you're obsessing, you're just thinking a lot about the fear and that's, that's where your head is, that's what's going on, but you're not really into this. And you're not seeing all those times where, wow, look, God delivered them. Oh my goodness, God delivered them. Look here. God delivered them. Look again. God delivered her. God delivered him. It's all through the Bible. God is faithful. God is faithful. God is faithful. God is faithful. And if you're not saturating yourself with God's Word, and all you got going on is this narrative of that, I'm afraid, I'm afraid, I'm afraid, what if, what if, what if, if that's the only thing coming into your mind, no wonder you're afraid. Last thing, number four, face your fear. You don't have to cower and hide any longer. Name the fear. Put it in a sentence. This is what I'm afraid of. Because let me tell you something. As you begin to admit to yourself that I cannot conquer this fear, but I begin to focus on God and not the fear, and I remember God's faithfulness, then I have the courage to face the fear. And, and you know this. I'm pretty sure you know this. But fear has already been defeated, right? Who is the author of fear? Is it God? No. God is the one saying, don't be afraid. The enemy is the author of fear. And on the cross and in the resurrection, the enemy has been defeated. And that victory is decisive. And that power is available to you. Your fear can be conquered. See, David was afraid like you are, like I am. But later in life, in Psalm 56, he gives us his secret. But when I'm afraid, God, I put my trust in you. When I become fearful, this right here, this is what I do. I just put my trust in you. All right, just a little one-on-one. Uh, -on -one conversation as if you and I are sitting in uh, my living room together, okay? I, I, I wouldn't ever try to give you some sense of false hope that kind of leans you toward, hey, 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 don't be afraid. God's, God's got this. Nothing bad's ever going to happen to you. It's just not true. Just, it's just not true. In fact, Jesus says, you're going to have trouble. But here's the deal. 
I'm going to be with you when you go through those times of trouble. And your life really is going to be okay. I'm not saying it's not going to be hard. I'm not saying there's not going to be challenges. But I'm going to walk with you through those hard times. In fact, I just, I just love this. I can't wait to share this with you. I, I started digging, you know. And all of these times where God says, don't be afraid. You know, don't fear. Don't be afraid. Don't fear. He never leaves it empty. He never just says, don't be afraid and that's it. He always says, why? And I just, I just dug around. I just got a, a very short list for you. You should create a really long list. That would be a great Bible study exercise for you. Don't be afraid. And these are words from God, okay, taken right out of Scripture. God says, I'll go with you. I don't want you to be afraid. I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll just go with you. Don't be afraid. I'll strengthen you. I don't want you to be afraid. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to help you. I love these words. I'll fight for you. I will deliver you. I will take hold of your hand. So I'm, I'm now 57 years old. You know what? At this point in my life, still is like just awesome. When somebody says to me, you want me to just go with you? I'm like, oh, yes. That's awesome. I don't want to go by myself. I just love it when somebody just says, I tell you what, I'll just go with you. I'm like, yes, thank you. Go with me. When somebody says to me, you want me to just help you with that? I'm like, would you? Man, that would be awesome. I love the last one. Some days my wife Annette and I, we fight giants together. And sometimes Annette reaches over and she takes my hand. I just love it. And, and here's God this morning saying to you, you know, I don't want you to be afraid. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to go with you. I'll tell you what I'll do. You want me to help you with that? I'll help you. And sometimes God just reaches over and he just takes hold of our hands. Yeah. So I... Uh, a few years ago, went to see a 14-year-old girl who was in this battle for her life. Cancer, okay? It's bad cancer. Oh, by the way, um, I couldn't wait to hear this past week, and I got a text from Abby Bropston saying that the cancer had declined 23% and the chemo treatments were working in her body. Isn't that awesome? If you're not friends with Abby on Facebook, you should befriend her. And then read the post that she's writing. She wrote one today about headed back to Oklahoma City. More treatments because they said if it's working, let's keep going. And she's on her way back home today. And she just talked about my giant is cancer. 
you know. And God is fighting my battle for me. I wish you could, could read it. So I prayed with this young girl. She didn't attend the church that I pastored, but a lot of her friends did, and they wanted me to come by, and I was glad to do it. And back in her little room, her bedroom, where all of her family was there with me, and we prayed together. And her mom walked me out of the house and out the front door when I was leaving, and, and uh, I just stopped and I said, Hey, you mind if I ask you a question or two? No, not at all. And I said, I, I have girls you know, two girls. And and I can't be in this situation without thinking about what if this was one of my girls. And I guess I'm just wondering how how you're doing it. You know? How you're walking this road, how you're how you're able to pull this off. And, and it was interesting to me because it was almost an embarrassed response. It was like her eyes cut away from mine with almost an embarrassed grin. And she looks down and she says, um, okay. And she just says, you know, uh, worship songs. And I said, yeah. And she said, that's, that's how I get through. I looked at her and she said, yeah, I... When things get really hard, when I begin to worry, when I begin to feel lots of stress, anxiety, I start singing these, these worship songs. And she said, somehow, that, that brings me out of that hole. And, and that's how I get through So Louis Gigolo, who wrote a book that inspired me called Goliath Must Fall. He says, worship and worry cannot coexist. Worship and worry cannot coexist. One will displace the other. You got to decide, do you want to worship or do you want to worry? Because you can't do both at the same time. One displaces the other. But he said the antidote to fear is faith. Listen to this, you'll love it. And the soundtrack of faith is worship. It's been a practice that I've used in my life when I've been tempted to worry. I start singing that song. You know. I used to love to sing the song, The Voice of Truth. You know. And I realized that fear had to leave when worship started taking place. And there's been many times that I have sung my way through my fear. I'm going to give you something before you leave. And you're going to be like, really? You're going to give all, that to all? Yes, I'm going to give. Everybody here gets this. You ready? I'm going to give this to you. So you're going to get to leave with it. You take it with you when you go. Okay? And here it is right here. I'm going to put it on the screen. Years ago, by the name Max Licato, and he simply says, feed your faith and your fears will starve. But unfortunately, the opposite is true. Feed your fears... And your faith will starve. And there's somebody in the room 
getting a revelation in this moment. And you're realizing, Rick, what I'm doing is only feeding my fears. I'm not feeding my faith. I've got this narrative going on that says, what if this happens, and what if this happens, and what if this happens? But I'm not filling my mind with words of worship and the Word of God in prayer. And so I'm only taking in the negative stuff, the fear. And so my faith is starving. But if I begin to feed my faith with God's Word and His faithfulness and songs of worship and prayer, you're telling me my fears will begin to starve. God, God dreams about you, and He dreams about your future, and He dreams about what it could look like. And it's not a life filled with fear and worry and stress and anxiety. It is a full life, and that's what He desires for you. And this is the path that He has given you, saying, I can conquer that giant. Come with me on this journey. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at BethanyNaz.org.